Well, you thought just because the Bruin football team had a bye week this weekend, they would be absent from the national spotlight. Well, how wrong we all were, and I'll explain why in just a couple moments. But first, want to welcome you in to a Tuesday episode of Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can locate me on Twitter, at Brian Fenley. That is Brian with a Y. You can email the show, LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. You can hit that subscribe button because this is your therapeutic place to process all things UCLA sports, no matter how the teams are faring. And right now we know the football team in the midst of a tough scenario, 1-5 and five on the season right now as they get ready to take on Stanford on Thursday. But before we get more into that upcoming matchup about me, I am a co-host for UCLA's Coaches Show, which is actually airing tonight, live 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific time on UCLABruins.com. Also, if you're in the L.A. market, you can listen to it on the radio from 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific on AM 570 LA Sports. That is tonight. We will be joined by Nick Cope, one of the other co-hosts, and former Bruin quarterback Wayne Cook. Totally talking UCLA football, coming off the bye week, and then we'll get all the guys' thoughts on this Thursday matchup against the Cardinal. All right, so here's what you're going to be privy to on the show. I mentioned the Bruins were in the national limelight over the weekend. It's kind of a funny story, and I'll touch on that. Plus, I want to give you an MRI report on our defense, how it stacks up in certain categories across the board nationally, and how it particularly could match up against the Stanford Cardinal. Plus, with the Cardinal coming off a win against the University of Washington, I want to look at how the Cardinal how they were able to beat a nationally ranked team and do it in such convincing fashion. And then our final segment I want to dedicate to Theo Howard transferring. Of course, the news of that coming last week. But since then, Chip Kelly has weighed in on Theo's decision. Also, former UCLA head coach Jim Mora chiming in and his former offensive coordinator at UCLA, Jed Fish. So what all of those guys had to say, I will bring to you, and then I'll provide a little bit extra commentary at the end there. Let's jump right into it. And because the Bruins were off over the weekend, perhaps you were still in your recliner on Saturday, surfing through other channels, watching other college football games. And did you happen to stumble upon the USC-Notre Dame game? Now, I got to imagine... If you were watching that game and you're listening to this podcast, I can assume what team you were rooting for. But did you see what happened at halftime? So what happened was Notre Dame players got in this tiff with USC players. And it becomes quite the scuffle, right? And so, and of course, this game is on national television on NBC. So... After witnessing all of this, the Pac-12 officiating crew, now they're the Pac-12 officiating crew, and they're overseeing this game, which was being played at Notre Dame. But when they announced the penalties from the kerfuffle between both of these teams, there were so many players involved on either side that they basically named the team itself, the whole team on both sides as guilty culprits for the unsportsmanlike penalties. And the guy goes up there, and when he's announcing to the crowd, and of course this is getting picked up by the national TV audience, he says the penalty is on Notre Dame and 
UCLA. Yeah, a Pac-12 officiating crew mistakenly calling USC UCLA. And what that did was prompt first the Notre Dame student section to join in on a chant where they kept going, UCLA, UCLA. And then that started a ripple effect to, at one point, the whole stadium at Notre Dame had gotten themselves involved in this UCLA chant based upon the miscue from the head official who thought that, for some reason, USC was UCLA. I'm sure that referee, whenever he goes to family get-togethers, they are going to make fun of him. His friends are going to ridicule him for the rest of his life. From that, let's transition into UCLA, the actual UCLA team and its defense. Yeah, so about that defense, well, let's do a body scan on this defense, if you will. They are six games in, 127th out of 130 teams in total defense. That is allowing 503 yards per game. Can you guess the other three teams that have it worse off? How about New Mexico, Arkansas State, and UMass? From there, well, maybe the Bruins are better than that in in passing yards allowed, right? Not quite, actually. 129th out of 130 teams, and they are surrendering 341 yards through the air per game. The only team in the country at the FBS level that is not as good in that department is New Mexico. And then I found out, I discovered this stat. The Bruins are 120th in the country in opponents' fourth down conversion. Opponents are converting on fourth down Six of eight times this year, that is 75%, and that is a number way too high. However, there is some better news, and it's the rush defense. And right now, UCLA is sitting at 74th in the nation in rush defense, which means they're giving up about 163 yards per game. Now, I can tolerate that stat because we're taking on a Stanford team that loves to run the football, which has been their staple for a long time. And when Chip Kelly was asked about Stanford yesterday, he said, yeah, while they do love to run the football, there has been this trend recently where they've been spreading the ball out more. And, and he called them not as smash mouth on the ground as they were with Bryce Love and Christian McCaffrey. However, he did hail the running game and its play under Cameron Scarlett, who had a game ago, 151 yards on the ground, and we'll get more in-depth in how the Cardinal fared against the University of Washington in that contest in the next segment. But while we are seeing a little tweak to the offense for Stanford and maybe the quarterback position is taking on a little bit more in the passing game, when you look at the stats, they seem to be trending more towards a team that is trying to reestablish the running game more from game one of the season to now game six. And they had their best rushing performance of the season in their last game. And so this is typical Stanford football. And if there's any bright spot, any stronger portion of the Bruins defense, it's their ability 
to slow down the run. So, and even at this point, we don't even know who Stanford's going to start with at quarterback. There are three guys who seem to be competing for it, and two of them are coming off injuries. We might see K.J. Costello. We might see Davis Mills. Or we could see Jack West. Jack West finished the game at quarterback against University of Washington, and he did not attempt to pass. They threw him in there in the fourth quarter when Mills sustained an injury, and now Mills and Costello are questionable for Thursday's game. Now, Chip Kelly, a couple days ago, said it was no question that he's going to stay with Jerry Azanero as his defensive coordinator. And as you heard earlier in the segment, there have been plenty of stats that have suggest that things are struggling on the defensive side of the ball. But instead of condemning Jerry in an interview, Chip Kelly said it's all about just getting better every day at practice and having a good practice. However, as we look more into this defense, they're having some injury issues that have been compiling up and could play a a major factor in this game against Stanford. The most prominent player who we don't know yet whether or not he'll be able to go is Chris Barnes. Now, he exited the last game with an injury. And according to Ben Bolch of the LA Times, yesterday, Chris Barnes did not take part in all drills at practice, but he was able to get in some conditioning and training along the sidelines. This is the senior, the linebacker. He is kind of like the quarterback, if you will, of the defense. And to not have him, especially in stopping the run, because as poor as UCLA's defense has been in the secondary, Chris Barnes has been right there in stopping the run and at least making it where it, it can hold its own. Now, if the back end could do its thing, then we might be on to something, and, and we're not quite there yet. Other injuries to report for the Bruins on defense, obviously Martin Andrus lost in warm-ups against Oregon State. He, he tore his ACL, so he's done for the year, according to Chip Kelly. Elijah Wade is day-to-day, so he is not out for the year. Michael Alves is out for the year, and that is, of course, on the offensive side of the ball for UCLA. Um, Chip Kelly would not rule out Tyree Thompson returning at some point. He's coming off surgery. And Mo Osling, DeLon Hurt were working on the sideline as well, so a couple other guys trying to get their bodies right for this game. As for Stanford, they're rising in confidence. They had their right frame of mind in their last game when they took down then-15th-ranked Washington. How did the Cardinal pull this off? Appreciate you hanging out with us here on Locked on Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. So was Stanford hosting UCLA on Thursday? I thought it would be a good idea to bring up the Cardinal in their last game, which was a win against Washington. And I was perusing through the recaps of this game, whether from writers or broadcasters, and I saw a common verb used as a headline for the way this one transpired. Obviously, Stanford winning it, but it was Stanford shocking Washington or UW stunned by the Cardinal. And I think that that is such a false depiction and a poor choice of a verb because while I do see 
that from a rating standpoint, yes, UW at that point was 15th in the nation and Stanford was unranked. The Huskies, who traveled to Stanford for this game, they had not won in Stanford Stadium since 2007. In fact, Washington had lost 10 of their last 14 contests against Stanford. And I was looking at the Vegas line for this game, and UW was dubbed a 13.5 point favorite. I'm thinking, my goodness. I mean, anyone who knows college football understands that you cannot underestimate Stanford, no matter who the opposition is, when they play at Stanford Stadium. I mean, I don't care how good the Cardinal are, and they're not as good right now as they've been in years past under David Shaw. But I think they were exposed, these quote-unquote gambling gurus who who think they have it all figured out over in Vegas, in, in that you... No matter how good you are, when you come to Stanford Stadium, it is a belittling experience. You know, it is an emasculating experience for a lot of teams, no matter how good you are, and even 15th-ranked Washington. Now, when you look at this game, I look at Stanford's running game coming into its own. 189 yards on the ground in a score. They had 151 yards from Cameron Scarlett. And this was a Cardinal rushing attack that was averaging coming into this game just about 100 yards. So a huge step in the right direction for the running game. And a lot of that has to do with the young offensive line getting experience. Now they're, they're no, no longer as green as they had been earlier in the year, opening up holes. And, and it just looked like, and this is what Chris Peterson said. He said, you know, they out-physicaled us, not just on defense, but across the board. And then... UW senior safety Miles Bryant, he said coming into this game that he thought that UW was the more physical team, but after watching what happened and Stanford winning, and by the way they did, Bryant said he made himself second guess which team was more physical, which is obviously a nod to the Cardinal. And it was just an absolute dismantling of Washington on both sides of the ball. I mean, for Stanford's defense, I mean, after the first drive, they held UW quarterback Jacob Eason to 11 of 31 passing for 125 yards. That was it after the first drive. And he also threw an interception. And Peterson said in regards to Eason's play afterwards that we just got nothing going and we got into no rhythm. The running game for UW was basically non-existent. And so they, in the Cardinal, were able to gobble up the run. And it seemed like this was a game where Stanford was able to go back to the traditional, we're going to smash mouth football you with a strong running game, and we'll pick you apart in the passing game when it's necessary. And I'll finish up this segment by pointing this out. So UW's defenses have traditionally been suffocating some of the best in the country under Chris Peterson. And because of that, in the last two and a half years, UW has only given up 400 or more yards in a game six times. Well, guess how many of those six times were because of Stanford? Three. Yes, three. So... 
for all those Vegas guys and gals who decided on this betting line, do your homework because anybody that knows Stanford knows that winning at their place is just taking home field advantage to another level. And it's just something that other teams have not been able to decode. Well, as Bru- well as Bruin fans were trying to figure out why Theo Howard transferred, and we're going to hear what Chip Kelly had to say about the matter, plus the head coach who recruited Howard to UCLA, Jim Mora, along with Mora's offensive coordinator in 2017, Jed Fish, he also weighed in on Howard moving on. Appreciate you hanging out with us here on Lockdown Bruins. Brian Fenley with you. Well, you might know the news now. Theo Howard, the top receiver in terms of yardage from a season ago at UCLA, has decided to transfer. He made the news on Twitter last week, and since then he has drawn an outpouring of support. He has been dealing with wrist and hand injuries throughout the course of this season that have kept him out of all but one game, and that was against Oklahoma. He has been limited in practice pretty much all fall. But as a senior, he still has some eligibility left. And so Chip Kelly was asked about Theo Howard. He said, quote, grad school is not guaranteed here. So he's got to look and see if there are other opportunities for him. So we support him and whatever we can do to help him. He's been a great Bruin and that's our job. And then Chip Kelly went on to say later on that if he was in Theo's situation, he would do the same thing as far as putting his name out there in the transfer portal and looking for other opportunities and teams that could utilize him right away. So then you go to Jim Mora, who recruited Theo Howard, and Mora on Twitter said, quote, what a classy young man, Theo Howard, you are. Excited to see him display his character, team-first attitude, and talents at his next stop. Some team is getting a special person, family, and player. I'm sad to see yet another top player we recruited leave such a great university. By the way, that is now 38 players who have decided to part ways with the program since Chip Kelly took over. And Jed Fish, who for one year was the offensive coordinator, and that was in Jim Mora's final season at UCLA, responded, reacted to Howard transferring. He said, quote, class act, not surprising, true privilege to have coached you in 2017 and watch you excel. You have a wonderful family supporting you and a terrific future in front of you. Good luck, my man. Our whole family will always be rooting for you. You know, and I hope everybody listening to this podcast can feel the same sentiment in that as Theo Howard moves on, that we're not disappointed in him but we're appreciative of the time we had with him. Because let's be honest, anyone, you at least once in your life, have done something that you felt was best for you in your best interest that did not necessarily sit in the best interest of the person next to you, but you knew you had to do it because it was best for you. So before you criticize Theo Howard for this decision, realize that this is a college athlete who is looking out for himself because in one way or another, you and I, we've all done that in some avenue of our lives. As we wrap up here for Tuesday's episode, happy 109th birthday to John Wooden. He would have been 109 years old yesterday and his legacy and his impact and his footprint 
on UCLA, its student body, and the world, if you will, continues to be alive and well. All right, tomorrow, more into previewing the Stanford-UCLA matchup. We'll catch you back here tomorrow for Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley.